Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor at the Porch Community Church, here with my good friend, media pastor Josh Harrell. Hello, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It's going so great because today is my birthday. What? what? Yep. I accept cash. Um, my Venmo is Shannon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> yep. Today's my birthday. 52. 52. 5'2". I'm 52. <laughs> it didn't have the same ring as I'm 50, but it's still it's still good. So. Yeah. So wh- what, what does your birthday look like usually? Like, does someone, does Drew make you breakfast in bed? <laughs> No, um, <laughs> it's not that he wouldn't, um, but uh, he has before, yeah, but not like in, like he'll just make breakfast, but yeah, um, you know, it's what it is. It's birthdays as an adult. So. Yeah. I'll do like, you know, lunch with people or dinner and friends and we'll, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. I, I tend to not make a big deal about mine, but I try to make a big deal about like cares. Yeah. So we'll do a big thing for cares. And then I'm like, we can just go grab some lunch for mine and I'm good. <laughs> but I have my 30th coming up, and I told her, I was like, I want a party. I, I, you're like, I want a party. Yeah, like December 8th, on my uh-huh. 20, when I, after I turned 29, the day after, I was like, all right, 30, I I'm want, giving you a year. <laughs> I want a party. 30, wow. Yeah, I remember. I remember that birthday. Yeah, it's a while back. Yeah, so, um, yeah, these birthdays are, yeah, I don't know. 52. Okay, 52. Cool. It's a it's that's, it's a great number. Gosh, I'm old. Nah. I mean, I don't feel it, but then I but then sometimes I really feel it. Yeah. Like mentally I don't feel it, but physically I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Emotionally, I feel like I'm somewhere in, I don't know where I, who knows. I don't know. It, it so. it's funny like I don't feel like my brain has aged very much. Yeah. But my I mean, I I still think I look pretty the same. But I can tell like you, I can't. You think you look pretty? Yeah. <laughs> but I can't do things like I could do nope. even like three years ago. No. And I'm like, yeah, dang. That's the worst part. Yeah. That's the that's the worst part. But anyway, hey, let's move on from me being old. Oh, so. fine. I mean, 52 really isn't that old when no. you think about like I mean, there's, things. there's listeners here going, you're just starting. Yeah, you're just getting started, you know. Or I, I we were talking, I don't remember who I was talking with the other day, but it's talking about like, you know, uh, how long I want to, you know, be in ministry or whatever. And I'm like, gosh, well, I feel like I have a lot of years left. Like, yeah. you know, and so just to, to someone who thinks, oh, well, I don't know, 52 is kind of, it's like, no, that's like prime number there for a lot of, not an actual prime number, but I don't, I don't know if it's a prime number cause I'm not very good at math. It's even, so no. Oh, okay. See, thank you. Um, but it's like, you know, prime season, I guess for some, if you would, if you will. Anyway, let's move on <laughs> from that business. Um, so, hey, tell us, what are the top three listened to episodes that we've had so far? It is uh, the number one listened podcast is Living in Your Truth. Or Living oh, Your Truth. Yep. I'm just going to live my truth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Number two is Women Pastors. Oh. And those, number three. Those crazy women pastors. What are we going to do? Can't stand them. I know. 
And then number three is all sins created equal. Oh, wow. Yeah, those were good. Those are pretty yeah. good. So. Those are kind of hot topics. They are. Buttons. They are very hot topics. So um, what I thought we would do, and we're, I think we'll start with, we will start with this one, and then we'll see where we go from, um, from there. But I would like to go, okay, so here are these episodes that have been much more listened to and shared and all that, is to take a little bit of a deeper dive into let's talk about women in ministry um, really beyond like deeper than that. Like why is women in ministry such uh, a polarizing conversation? And the reason I I think it'd be good to do a deeper dive is because it it makes us, well, it just makes us examine why. Um, And so by the way, if you um, did not listen to our uh, episode on women in ministry, I encourage you to just pause, pause this, this one. one, go to episode 30, and listen to um, women in, I think it's women leaders, women pastors is how it's titled. Yeah. Um, go and check that out and listen to that. Um, it's a good one. Yeah. It's not like you can't listen to this without listening to that one. But, but it it's like watching helpful. a movie review before you watch the movie. Yeah, which is probably what you do all the time. Yeah, I yeah, do. Like, yeah, yeah, I do. So, um, so why are there... Why, when you talk about women in ministry, are there such differing opinions? And in some cases, like people can get kind of, kind of stirred up about it. Um, here are my thoughts before we kind of take a deeper dive into some like uh, technical terms. Okay. Um, is I think one of the reasons that women in ministry is is a hot button issue, is because of just the the cultural exposure, like. What has a, a particular person, what have they seen? What do they see? What do they take in? And how has that developed their kind of belief system? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That worldview? Yeah. Um, and then I think hugely is modeling from your parents or parent or whomever raised you. Yeah. I think has, to me, probably the biggest influence, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, if you grew up in the church, um, as a younger person, mm-hmm. um, you know, in your grade school, elementary, uh, those are the same, um, <laughs> middle school, high school, but like, I think what you have had modeled, f- what someone has had modeled for them from the church, from Christian leaders and from pastors also plays into that. Yeah. Would you, would you, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Do you think there are any other, um, any other aspects that would make someone go, well, this is kind of why I feel so strongly one way or the other besides those three kind of culture, home and church. I mean, they, culture is so encompassing. So like it, it outreaches like, let's, let's say someone said like sports or like, mm-hmm. like yeah. their coaches and stuff like that yeah. and, ha- and how they, but that, that wraps up into culture. Mm-hmm. What you're exposed to in TV, that's culture, mm-hmm. you know, it makes me think about when you say that. It makes me think about how like some people do not like female sportscasters. Yeah, and um, and I, you're like, you, you, I think you want to weigh in on that opinion, but then you're afraid to. No, so. I actually have no preference. Like, yeah, I, you you don't offend me if if you do, but or like, uh, like I literally could not care less if it's a woman <laughs> sportscaster or not. Yeah, like, that's one of the things. Some people I are like, don't no, care. I hate it. Whatever yeah, that yeah. or. Um, uh, like 
like women, like NBA refs or see that doesn't know. bother me. Yeah. What does bother me yes. is when um, female sports are pushed super hard, uh-huh. and it's not as good to watch. Yeah, my husband and I don't have an opinion because I don't really like basketball that much, but he's like the, the WNBA is so lame. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I kind of, I mean, it's, it's a different, it's a, to, it's a different game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the same, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that is, I understand what you're saying. I don't want to take away your point. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm a, I watch wrestling. Uh-huh. So like, like real wrestling no, or no, no, WWE. Okay. I mean, it's, it's real enough. <laughs> like you get hit in the back. They're with athletes. A, sure. Uh, <laughs> they get hit in the back with a, I'm, no. A folding could, chair. Yeah. But. The fact that Ric Flair still goes out and wrestles, he's not an athlete. He's an old man. <laughs> but um, you get hit in the back of a back with a folding chair, it hurts. You, uh-huh. you land wrong on that ring, it hurts. Like, yeah. people get hurt and die doing wrestling. So yeah. I don't want to take away from the, like, yeah, they pull punches and stuff like that. But if you do it incorrectly, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. So, but. You don't like women, women well, wrestling? No. You, no, I don't. Uh, but, but but the women that carry the cards in between the rounds, you like? The, oh no, that's in boxing. That's boxing. I Sorry. don't watch boxing. <laughs> um, but the the female wrestlers, they're doing a big push to make them as as yeah. important as men. Yeah. But the the women don't put in the work on the mat stuff. Mm-hmm. They spend more time on the oh, yeah. mic work the and look. stuff like that, mm-hmm. so that their wrestling isn't a good is good, and mm-hmm. it's a waste of time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. And I think so. there is a cultural, um, you know, influence on us. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about playing tennis, and that's one of the, I think that is one of the examples that has been good as far as the push for um, equal pay. Yeah. Prize money is mm-hmm. across the board in men, like at the U.S. Open. It wasn't always that way, but like the, whoever wins the U.S. Open right now, men's side, women's side, they get equal prize money. Yeah. Uh, but women's, but in women's tennis, they draw in the crowds and they draw in the spectators. They draw in the revenue. Yeah, I mean, so the biggest name, but the biggest name in tennis is a female. Correct. You know, yeah. Serena Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and be, you know tennis, and I know swimming. Mm-hmm. Swimming's a is just as competitive on the female side as it is the male, so mm-hmm. it's just as exciting to watch. Yes, you know. So and then you have people like what Katie Ledecky who make exactly. it exactly huge. So I mean, you have you have these sports where uh, female athletes have put in the work, if not more than men, mm-hmm. and it creates such a it creates a, basically the same environment you're used to seeing with the mm-hmm. male athletes that it's just enjoyable to watch for me. Yeah, but when they're being pushed for to the same standard, but they're not being held to the same work standard. Yes. That's when I'm like, eh, you're just doing it to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I benefited from Title IX hugely. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with Title IX? Title IX is what, what set out to bring about equal opportunities for women in sports and other avenues like in education and in uh, colleges and stuff like that. Yeah. So, for instance, um, Title IX means that uh, at VSU here, uh, they have to have an equal number of women's sports as they do men's sports. Right. Now, they don't have to be the same sport, mm-hmm. but they have to have equal number. Um, and those kinds of things, which I, bened- I benefited from that. I played college tennis. Um, I'm thankful for that. Um, 
and and I think the opportunity to participate is fantastic. Um, but I do think there's there's almost two different issues there. Like, um, you and I are kind of go wading off into the the quality of the the performance. Yeah. Whereas some, I think there are some when I mentioned like they don't even like to hear female sportscasters. It's it's not about if she has knowledge or whatever. It's just a, a woman shouldn't be talking about sports. See that? And so that goes that goes to another place. So let's talk about something else. Okay. Um, so modeling the uh, from our parents in regard to because we started out women in ministry, which really I think when you start to peel back the layers, a lot of times it talk it's about what are the what are women's roles and what are men's roles. Yeah. Whether that's in the church or in the home or just in society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I the modeling from our parents has a huge impact on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I'll just give an example. Um, uh, this is kind of a, I'll give an example of my family. So um, my parents were both born in the 40, in 1944. Um, so they were uh, like born during World War II. Right. Um, uh, then they grew, you know, they were like the, they were in their 20s, you know, during the 60s. Um, and then in the 70s when, uh, you know, the Equal Rights um, Amendment and all that came out and and a lot of, uh, you know, feminist movements were around. Um, and they started to show up in, like, TV and all these sorts of things, you know. Right, right, right. Um, but so they both had modeled for them a, the man, the man does the work. The woman stays home. The woman raises the children, takes care of the children, which is a wonderful model for anybody. I'm not dogging that at all. Um, but it was interesting because by the time they were into adulthood and now they are parents, they both worked outside of the home. Um, and, and I don't know, I have no idea if they ever had the conversation, but I never saw either of them having the well, that's a, that's a woman's job. Like I never heard my dad say to my mom that, you know, okay, yes, you just worked eight hours. I just worked eight hours, nine hours. Um, but I'm expecting you wife to cook dinner. Like there was no expectation of that. My parents equally cooked. Mm, Yeah. My parents equally cleaned the kitchen. My parents equally did laundry. Um, now when it came to like outdoor stuff, I, I, you know, my dad would do that, but I think (laughs) my mom was like, no, that's sweaty. I'm not going to do that. So, um, (laughs) but so even though they had modeled for them definitive roles of, uh, husband, wife, man, woman, right. They didn't. And I, but I never even heard them have a conversation about it. It just seemed very natural that they just, everyone did what they did, you know? And so going into, uh, in my marriage with Drew, like, you know, I think he also had very similar, that was modeled for him very similarly as far yeah. as, um, you know, his mom would do just any roles and, and his dad's not, I mean, his dad likes to cook and be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there are these different things, but so we both had that modeled for us. How right. about you? Um, well, so my dad worked away from the house. Mm-hmm. So he was only home two days a week. And then when he'd get home, all the outside stuff. Would mama have a list? Yeah. <laughs> or did he, he would he'd have a list. a list. Yeah, yeah. So he like he would try to cram all the outdoor stuff in a week, in mm-hmm. two days. Whew. So he stayed outside. 
and he would do all the outdoor stuff. And if he wanted to give mom a break cooking, mm-hmm. he would grill yep. while he was cutting the grass or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he'd throw something on a smoker and he'd grill. Did your mom work outside of the home as well? Yeah, she was, but she would, she worked half a day mm-hmm. at a, the preschool at the mm-hmm. church we were at. She'd work half a day and then, so then she'd, she'd be, be home. home to take me to all my things yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. And then when I got able to drive, she took a full time, she took another part time job on top of the, yeah. um, day uh preschool so would you say that in your home uh it was modeled like this is what men do and this is what women do um i don't know if it was that it was we do this out of this is what dad does out of necessity and this is what mom does out of necessity it wasn't necessarily these are the defined gender roles Mm -hmm. but it's almost like um this is what we do because we have to yeah, to, like get to, get done. to get things done. To get things done. The one time that they, I know there are very specific gender roles is my dad doesn't fix his own plate. Really? I don't know why. Huh. Does he expect your mother to fix it? He or does she just now. always has? He, she probably always has and now he expects and, it. And I'm interested to know, like, who did did her mother model that for I her? I don't know. Or, yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, that is one, like... You need to find that out so we can... And but it's, that's, yeah. And it's very anti everything I do. Yeah. Like, I don't like I don't <laughs> expect Gary to fix my plate. My grandfather used to, growing up, okay, on my dad's side of the family, um, when we would have Sunday dinners every, you know, like for holidays or every now and then Sunday dinners at their house, um, for a long time, I remember this growing up, the men sat in the dining room and the women sat in the kitchen. And I don't mm. think it was like a rule. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, when I got a little bit older, I just made my plate and go sit in the dining room because it was more comfortable. Yeah. And then, uh, and other people did as well. But I remember clearly my, I can see the glass. It's like that green glass with like the ridges on it. That's kind of, it's almost like a wine type glass, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a bigger water at the yeah, top. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He would rattle that cup with his ice uh-huh. when it was empty. And yep. my grandmother would get up and pour tea in there now okay so, so that we'll, became a joke in our family to rattle our cup and yeah. we'd all be like ha, ha, ha you're funny now the farther like when you start going to grandparents that's when clear gender roles are yes defined in my yeah family. the further back yeah uh i'll always i'll never forget at my granny's house and I, I guess it still happens we don't go very much um when there's a family dinner after dinner the men will go fish mm-hmm and the women will stay and clean up the kitchen. Yeah. Like. Duh. But then you wonder, like, are are there are there some women that are like, well, man, I'd like to go fishing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, or is it just like, I mean, you wonder, like, what is just um, habit or, like, is there, like, a clear defined, like, so I guess what you're saying is none of the men are like, well, maybe we should stick around and clean up the no, kitchen. No, it's, it's like, it's nope, this is, we're it's out. never even thought, like, I grew up never even thinking <laughs> about it. Yeah. And then. Uh, I don't, I, this would be a question to ask Kara. <laughs> I don't know if like someone told her, hey, you have to stay and clean the kitchen or she just was like, felt kind of obligated because everyone else was doing it. And That's she, what she I just, feel like. She just fell in it. Yeah. Oh, uh, see, sometimes when I'm like places and I notice that, I'm like, okay, I, I guess I should stick around, but it, I don't really, Yeah. I don't, I, and it's not even like a rebellious, like I'm not going to go in there and clean. Like it, it's just like, oh, I just noticed all the, Dudes are there, Gone. and here's where all. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll hang around in here but and yeah, clean when, up or something. When you get to my grandparents, who are uh, 
like depression. Yep. Yep. Babies. Yep. Like that's where there are clear defined yep. roles. Roles. Yep. Okay. So so we see that we see that modeled now, and then of course we've talked before about modeling in in the church. I mean, the. There are so many more male pastors than female pastors. So yep. first and foremost, in, in, in that regard, you have that modeled for you from the front. But then what you also have modeled for you is usually it's the women who are doing all the teaching of the children and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's not because that's allowed. I think it's because they're willing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is la- allowed, but I don't think that's the reason why you see mostly women doing the teaching of the children. I think it's because they're actually willing to do yeah. it. Let, let me ask you this. Yes. Is, to me, yep. When I see uh, like a, a a dude, a dude with the very little kids, uh-huh. it's creepy. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a stereotype. It's a, and, it's, and, it I, is, and I fall it into is. it, but for it whatever is. reason, it's, yeah. it's 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 a little creepy to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost like sometimes. Now I had a lot of uh, male teachers in elementary school, but when I like later on, I look back and I go, "That was not the norm." We had I, a lot of guys that were teachers. I didn't have my first male teacher until eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's again. I think that's just kind of modeling. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. So we have this. This it's. I have this example of um, that Kristen gave me permission to share because we were talking about um, like so when Drew and I came into our marriage. I think we both pretty much had an egalitarian. I mean, he knew he was, I was already a pastor when we got married. So he knew what yeah. he was getting with that <laughs> in that regard. But like, I do think there were a couple of things that we kind of assumed the other would automatically do or not do based on what we had seen modeled. Right. Um, but nothing, nothing catastrophic. Uh, Kristen tells this story. Our kids pastor, Kristen says that whenever her boys were younger, like littler, but, and I don't know what they were using, but they decided to go around the house and label the things that were mommies and the label, the things that were daddies. And so I don't know how they designated it, but they put like, um, like the washing machine and the dryer was mommies and, <laughs> and, the, um, the oven was mommies. Um, the cleaning supplies was mommies, but and then like the TV was daddies and like the stereo <laughs> was daddies and all these things. And I was like, so I said, well, "What are you, was that just like by nature that they did that?" She goes, "Heck no, that was modeled by their dad." <laughs> so Ross got thrown under the bus on that one. But she talks about how when they got married, and I actually asked her if she'd want to sit in on this conversation, but she has her community group, so right, she couldn't right, be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she was like, "Oh yeah, we definitely had some some conversations because he definitely had a a, a more." Uh, specified this is what men do this is what women do um understanding because that's what was modeled for him in his home whereas she did not and so when they got married he had some expectations that she was like "Mm." and and he did you know as well so so that's really interesting so now let's go back women in church right so when when you talk about the roles of women in church it, it leads the conversation to these two terms which we're going to start talking about today, but we're going to go in deeper even in our next episode and maybe even the one after that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Are these two terms called egalitarianism and this term, um, excuse me, complementarianism. Okay, now you may have heard of these terms, um, but I want us to make sure we kind of know where we are on them. So um, 
I, I definitely think you've it, whether you've heard the term, I th- you've seen it, um, and and or you've seen people push back against it. So, egalitarianism upholds what what it would say is that it, it upholds the equality that Christ brings to all people, to all races, all stations of life, right? So egalitarianism would say, all right, men and women are considered equal in role capabilities. Um, There's there's no longer gender restrictions on what roles men and women can fulfill in the church, in the home, or in society. Right. So, you know, go be an MBA ref if you want to be Mallory. Um, That's what, you know, an egalitarian would say. and this view holds that the teachings and attitudes of Jesus and the New Testament abolished gender-specific things like that, uh, as well as roles related to class and race and all mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I uh, refer you back to episode 30 to go and hear a lot of scripture and, and things on why we would say, uh, why we talked about women in ministry and why we why we lift that up and say yes, yes. to it. So, so I would definitely, I am an egalitarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just based on that, I think, I don't think that would be surprising to most anybody. Here's the term, uh, what complementarianism is. It, it's this, it's a belief asserts that while women and men are of equal value. So neither are saying that, that one is better than the right. other. So they're right. both yeah, saying yeah. That, that, that men and women are equal value a complementarian would say that God has assigned them each specific roles. Specifically, it promotes uh, the male headship mm-hmm. or authority over the woman while encouraging women to be submissive to the authority of the man. Um, and so you would have, um, so, so there would be specific roles. So this is, uh, a complementarian would say, only a male can be a pastor. Right. Uh, only a woman could teach children, mm-hmm. uh, but not teach men. That's a specific role designed only for men, so only men can do that. Um, and you usually find that, that that same would also flow into the household as well. Like right. this is a man's, and not always, but yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah. Um, I th- a very well-known leader of the complementarian uh, movement or ideology is John Piper. Yep. Um, Read a lot of his books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's of course, uh, he began to write about submission and headship in, in the mid eighties mm-hmm. as a, as a response to the feminist movement that he, that was being seen all throughout society that, that was coming was out of the seventies. Well, no, there was, I mean, there was definitely a feminist movement. No, 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 I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about in general. Okay, I'm talking, okay, I was thinking about that one that was going through the SBC. That was... Oh, no, see, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that one probably probably next week. It was theoretical feminism. Yes, yes, yes. Which, it's funny to me, because I've never really stopped and thought about, I've never thought of myself as a feminist, I've never even actually stopped and considered if the term fits or doesn't fit or if I should apply it. It just hasn't occurred to me. Um, but I almost like kind of kind of get a, not an icky feeling, but I don't like to use the word feminist because then I think it's trying to lift women above men. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's, yeah. that's not what we find. That's not what an egalitarian would say nah. is that women are higher than men. Right. Um, and it's, it's really about an, uh, an equality of, we are all equal in Christ, mm-hmm. and here we are. And so and I almost kind of go, ugh, when I think about 
feminist, but but I also know that because women were for centuries treated as second class, yep. um, you know, to be you know, almost like children to be seen but not heard, you know, mm. that there was a lot of that. Um, that there there was needed a movement to push ahead, like the women's suffrage movement. Right, you right, know, right. all these yeah. movements just to even you know, give us rights, give us the ability to vote, mm-hmm. you know, to own property, all these things. So I see the necessity of it, but when I hear the term feminist, I almost go, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, you know, women number one, men number two, because that's not that's not egalitarian. Yeah, and that was kind of the thing I was hit with in college when you kind of yeah. really. Around here, that's kind of the first time you really hear about uh, the belief system of feminism, as uh-huh. opposed to like the suffrage, like just the mm-hmm. historical suffrage movement and stuff like that. And then when you hear about feminism, it to me it really put a bad taste in my mouth yeah. because it wasn't equal. Like w- what people were telling me, feminism is is not equal. Right. It's right. women above men, which is like that's not better. That's just flipping the script. Yeah. 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 Like, um, and and there's that that belief doesn't really help the situation no. it, it just it creates a more volatile situation mm-hmm. yep it sure does um so talking about uh piper um so he wrote a lot about this and of course because of his you know you know influence that he has on society of course a lot of people read a lot of his stuff but he um in in regard to complementarianism he makes the claim that that women's submission to men this is where it gets really interesting to me is that, and this is where a lot of complimentary, this is where complementarians fall is that women's submission to men. Why were women uh, supposed to be submissive to men uh, was not a result of the fall in the garden of Eden when Eve was tempted by the serpent and then offered the apple to, or the fruit to, to Adam um, and all that that went down. Uh, Rather, complementarians argue the requirement for women's submission is actually part of the created order, that mm. men were created to rule and women were created to obey, that men were created to lead and women were created to submit. Where an egalitarian would say, no, that, that whole headship, leadership, everything, that was a result of sin in the garden. And, I mean, that's an important detail because... The roles of men and women, of male headship and female submission, it, it began in the garden with sin. That's This is what an egalitarian would say. But since Christ fulfilled the law and paid the debt for sin mm-hmm. for all humanity, that distinction between man and woman that was set up after sin no longer continues. Okay. And that's where an egalitarian would, would find themselves biblically saying, yes, we understand, yes, that was said. Yes, that was you know mm-hmm. that's how it was yeah. set up, and and complementarians would argue that it was it was no it was always to be this way with with male leadership and female submission, and it had nothing to do with sin. Therefore, it should continue. It should be the way it is continuing now. Um, in in 1986, uh, Piper and some other uh, key uh, complementarians met in uh, in a private meeting, which we'll, I'll tell you much more about it next week in the next episode. Um, but they met and they made a very important for complementarians mm-hmm. um, statement. And then out of that meeting, they also incorporated as a council. 
And the, the statement was on uh, biblical manhood and womanhood. Mm-hmm. And then they formed as a council, and they called themselves the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. So if you hear me say CBMW, I'm talking about <laughs> Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And the Great. whole goal of this council was to influence evangelicals, so Christians who were, who were you know, wanting to share the gospel of Jesus. They wanted to influence evangelicals to adopt the principles. Now, remember the year, 86, adopt the principles of complementarianism, and they wanted them to be adopted in the homes, in churches, in schools, in other religious agencies, like wherever there was an opportunity to incorporate the complementarian viewpoint. This is what the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood wanted to do. Um, and this is, to me, this is really important because this is where, because it came out in 86. What year were you born, Josh? 91. Okay. So this is where I think where many people who are in their 20s and 30s and, and early 40s, they have seen a more um, intentional mm-hmm. modeling of complementarianism, especially in the church. Yes. Possibly in the home, depending on the parents, but mm-hmm. definitely in the church. And I think this is part of, to me, I see the, the undercurrent of the young, restless, and reformed movement. Yes. So you want to you wanna talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. So let's talk about what the young, restless, and reformed movement is. It was actually, my favorite soap opera. Was it? Yeah, it's my yeah. favorite stories. It's I watched funny, it. It's right it, before As the World Turns. It's funny how it's called that. <laughs> Uh, but so like this is, you know, it talks about 86, but the young restless and reform movement is really talking about this time period between 2000 and 2016. Yeah. But okay. How old were, so. Yeah. So this is, this is These like, are people in their twenties yeah, and thirties. So. And, or even forties. This is that perfect, like I was in this camp in 2006 to 2016. Uh-huh. You know, I was there. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so the young. You were a YRR? So with a young, restless, and reformed, yeah. Well, we so we even called it New Calvinism. Okay. You know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, going taking Calvinism because most of the churches that these twenty and thirty year olds grew up in were Calvinist pastors anyway. Mm-hmm. But what was going on in the churches were there was talk about stuff that really doesn't doesn't pertain to the Bible and stuff like what? that. What? No, churches would never do that. You know, <laughs> churches dividing on stuff that doesn't matter. The carpet uh, should the, be blue. The, like car- the... the carpet being blue or something like that. <laughs> uh, story about the church I grew up in, there was a big deal about um, a homosexual being hired to uh, redecorate our sanctuary. Wow. And it was like a big debate. So mm-hmm. like that's why I really dove into this stuff. Yeah. Because young, restless, and reformed is all about let who cares about that other stuff. Let let what does the Bible say? Right. Let's talk right. about that. Right. Let let's redefine what evangelism is. Right. And it's kind of funny it uses Calvinism because a lot of people think Calvinists uh, believe that <laughs> they don't have to go they don't have to go and do mission work. We'll refer you to another episode, another podcast about <laughs> Arminianism and Calvinism. But the New Calvinism movement is very mission-based, mm-hmm. and it's all about going out and planting churches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But diving into what the Bible says, and it's and it was headed up by guys like John Piper, Timothy Keller, mm-hmm. Mark Driscoll, which, funny that 
this period ends in 2016 because of what happened at Mars Hill around 2016. Oh, yeah. So kind of pulled the the wind out of this sail. Uh, that's another podcast that we're not that, that we're, <laughs> that we're listening, listening to. <laughs> but um, well, so let me ask you. I don't want to make you lose your point. Okay. But I do want to ask this question. So would you would you agree that the the complementarianism and the Council of Biblical Manhood Womanhood and all that that started to stir in the mid eighties? Mm-hmm. Would you say it did have a direct influence and or you know, that undercurrent for? the Young Restless and Reform Movement, or the New Calvinism? I would say 100% that. Okay. I mean, I'm sitting here still, like, you're you're like a, you're a clear-cut egalitarianism. Uh-huh. And I'm not. Right. Like, I'm not clear-cut. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm, I was staunch complementarianism. Uh-huh. And I, I'm probably still on the fringes of that. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not going to, just because I sit under you as a pastor, I'm not going to say, like, I'm a full egalitarian because I, I don't believe I am. But I, Could you give a distinction as to what? And I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to force you into the egalitarian camp for sure. Um, but like, could you could you offer a couple of examples of of why you are or are not, or like why you feel like you might be a little bit in both? Yeah. So like, I have I have no problem uh, like understanding that God has called you to lead us as a church and. Mm-hmm me to submit under my pastor. Uh-huh. No problem doing that. Right. But then also at home, I feel like I, I do have more God-given responsibility for the spiritual walk of my wife and my daughters mm. than Kara does. Wow. Because that's what I was taught. Yeah. And I do, and I and I feel that weight in my heart. Yeah. That I yeah. have that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that it's not Kara's responsibility, it's mine. Uh-huh. Not that Kara's off the hook with it. <laughs> but I do, I do yeah. like I feel the weight of care spirituality mm-hmm. as on my plate as a man of God. Huh? That's interesting. Yeah, and I hear that, and I think that's where probably a lot of uh, people might be mm-hmm. is exactly how you just described so, that. So, like when you say the home, uh huh. To me, that is that's where I'm more complementary than I am anywhere else. And and you wouldn't necessarily say you're at home. It's about the roles that you no. perform at home. No. It's about the spiritual, spiritual weight. So you would say you um, you feel the responsibility to have the spiritual headship in your home. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And like, is Kara like she's like yep. yeah? We're on, we're on board with yeah, that. Yeah. Um, there there is no there's not. Uh, I'm the only one that can make financial decisions. There's right. None of that. Right. Um, we didn't like. Kara knows more about some stuff than I do, and yeah. I know some more, mm-hmm. more about other stuff than Kara does, and we balance each other pretty well on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, how would spiritual headship in the home? I mean, and if you don't, I mean, how does what does that look like for you to have that responsibility? Like, how does that play out? Well, I suck at it. <laughs> Okay, well, in a perfect world, <laughs> no, like, what would you? I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I feel, like I feel like I'm the one that should be responsible to make sure that my girls know the good news, the gospel, that Jesus mm-hmm. loves them, and that I'm the one teaching them all these things. Not that care can't, but like if if it doesn't happen, I feel like it was my responsibility to make sure it happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm I struggle like. I sit here and struggle that my daughter knows 
all the Disney show tunes. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here like admitting failure, the fact that my daughter knows all the Disney tunes oh. and probably doesn't know Jesus Loves Me, like that song. Oh, I bet you she does. But, but I know but what you, you mean. Know, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I do. I do. Like that. Like I'm. Like I'm saying, I have this accountability, and then I'm sitting here going, and I'm checking every box I failed at right mm. now. Well, and I definitely don't want you to feel beat up. No, 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 no. But, but when you say what an example uh-huh. is, I was like, I don't have a clear yeah. one because I'm not doing what I say I feel called mm-hmm. to do. All right, let me ask if let me ask you this, and I'm I'm definitely not like. No, uh, pushing back, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to push back. I really am curious about this. Um, you you say, um, uh, okay, if I were to interview Kara and say, hey, Kara, do you feel it's your responsibility, Kara's responsibility, to teach her girls about Jesus and teach them that he loves them mm-hmm. and, and those things, she would say, Absolutely. Yes, she would. Um, uh, so there's that. That's that's my first thought. And then secondly is, and I go back to this question, and and I don't know the answer to it, but how much of this feeling that you have, this mm-hmm. this burden that you mm-hmm. that you uh, you know is there, and I think a lot of men mm-hmm. have it, is where did that? Is it culturally based? Is it modeled for us? Or is it is oh, it God given? Hundred percent. I've been taught that. Yeah. But I don't know and, if I don't. And know that's if, okay that you have that yeah. feeling that you want to be. Like I mean, I totally. I I am sitting you cold, cold stone face and telling you that I a hundred percent believe that I will sit at the white throne judgment and answer for if my wife and daughter's spiritual mm. life was where it should have been. Wow. Hundred percent believe that. Yeah. Wow. That's that is interesting, and yeah. it's been something that I've been taught that I don't know if it's been taught to me that I believe it that hard, uh-huh. or it's a God given right a responsibility. And I'm not going to throw you on the total hot seat right now, but I would love to see scriptural. I don't. Um, ha- I don't have. Well, that. right. I mean, yeah. and I'm not, like I said, I'm not expecting you to spout it out to yeah. me right here. But I would really, I'm interested to see where someone who feels that strongly yeah. would say, you know, it says here, 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 and here that I, um, so I'm not pushing back on that at no, all. I know. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear it spoken out because it's one of those things you kind of, you know, yeah. you observe and you mm-hmm. see. Um, and then I wonder just how much is just, how much is this, um, this desire you have to love your wife and love your daughters and to see that they are, um, cared for but also that they know god how much of that is just you know like as an egalitarian i would say how much of that is just that's joshua the christian Mm -hmm. who wants his wife that he loves and who he's you know in in this covenant relationship with um that he wants good for them yeah and and how much of that is Kara would say the same exact things that she wants you to know mm-hmm. God and you to have a deeper relationship with him. And she wants her, you know, your children to know these things. And that's where an egalitarian would stand is go. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but how is it different just because you're a man versus a woman and, in, in that? And I'm, I mean, I might not even be speaking as a man. I mean, I might, I might just have that feeling as Joshua. Hmm. 
So I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. If that, that's hard to separate those two. But it, I do hear what you're saying. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Like maybe it's just a, a Joshua pers- it, characteristic. Yeah. But there's a. I think. I think you speak for a whole, whole lot of people. But I. I feel like also, knowing you. Uh huh. That you feel the same responsibility as, as Shannon about your family's spiritual walk. Yeah, but even as an egalitarian, I I love the idea of my of my husband praying for me. Yeah, but well, I would also say that he loves the idea of his wife yeah. praying for him. So you know, like so I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is is what I'm is what I'm feeling make me a complimentary because I'm a man, or uh-huh. should it make me an egalitarian because I'm Joshua? Uh, and that's uh. that's where you, you, yeah I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, like what. It fits in complementary because I am a man. Yeah. Well, and the things that you're saying that that you find puts you um, in the complementarian zone. Yeah. Some, I mean, I I am in there. In there, what I don't hear you saying is I don't hear you saying, Kara, Adeline, Caroline, because you're women, you cannot do X, Y, and Z. No, there's nothing those girls can't do. And so that is where yeah. you're not in mm-hmm. in the I guess and let's let's just go ahead and put this out there for everyone to know. There are egalitarians, there's a spectrum. Yep. And then there's there are complementarians and there is a spectrum. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so you'll have and, and the the term is kind of weird. It's like, like soft complementarians or hard complementarians, you know, yeah. or same thing. Yeah. And so um you know, it's not just all one or no, or it's all it's one not thing all or, or the other thing. Yeah. And so I don't hear you using restrictive no, and anything. Never will. And so and that's where I think when some people bristle up about women in ministry, mm-hmm. um, that's where it gets a little more I don't even want to use the word combative, but it gets that's where it gets weird. Yeah. Because some people want to restrict women mm-hmm. from certain roles. Yeah. And in the church most Especially, but there would be some complementarians who would not even want their their wa- male complementarians who would not want their wife to believe their wife should not work outside of the home. Right. I mean, Driscoll went on a big long thing about that about how men should have jobs that could provide for their family so their wife could stay home and have babies. Yep. Um, and <laughs> and you know what? If that's if. <laughs> There's so many side conversations we can have here. It's oh, like, yeah. hey, listen, if you're a woman and you want to, and that is your calling to have children and and be in the home and 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 do all that, that is fantastic. Yep. But to have an outside force other than God mm-hmm. <laughs> telling you you can or cannot do that is where an egalitarian's like, eh. Yeah. Okay. Hold on a minute. A uh, perfect example for me and Kara. Uh huh. Um. If if we were to have two, let's say we had two more kids, uh-huh. and it would cost more to put them in daycare than yep. one of us would make, I would still work. Uh-huh. And Kara would stay at home just because of the money, right? The money aspect right. of it, because I I make more than she does right now. But yeah, if one of the girls is sick right now, uh huh, I'm the one that stays home with them nine times out of ten. And is that because of the flexibility of your schedule? It's because of a the flexibility of my schedule and. Be how important Kara's job is. Yeah, being a nurse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she, her when she, if I take off, I can work at home. That's right. 
Right. When she takes off, someone's not getting taken care of. Right. Right. So. So it's based on the jobs that you have, not yeah. on the roles not of on man and woman. Right. Right. So yeah. if if that sums up the Harold, that that probably sums up the Harold household the best I could. Okay. Let me ask you this, because uh, you know that that feeling that you have to be that, which I think is wonderful. I love that. I, I don't. I don't want to talk down against that or anything like I think that a a husband and and I would say and a wife but like should have that desire for their spouse and their children to know God and feel that yeah. that responsibility. Okay, so um talking about if you had more children and it would be more costly to put them in, you know, like basically your your salary is a wash, you know, cuz yeah. you're paying for childcare. Let's say care is making more money. It would be me. You would stay home, mm-hmm. and you and and that wouldn't would would that bump up against your your what it, complementarian? What it, what it would do? I don't have the maternal gifts that Kara has. Yes, you have paternal gifts. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like two kids already kind of maxes my brain out uh-huh. and my emotions out. They max me out too. So, so I would per, I would say it would be me, and it would be me first. But if, if you would be finding a way <laughs> to get, <laughs> I, w- I would find something, but it would be me first. Yeah. Because of the, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm very like, if it's, if, if it's a wash with care salary, then mm-hmm. she would stay home if it was washed with mine. Right. And she, and she was a doctor doing, yeah. She, I would stay home. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, any of your, Hardcore complimentarians are like, Josh, I can't believe get, you said that. I'll get some texts probably <laughs> Thursday night. Because I, I do have, it's it's funny, like a lot of a lot of the people I was in this really strong Calvinist movement with when I was mm-hmm. in Douglas mm-hmm. are uh, ministers now. Uh-huh. And they're, they're, still, they're still in it. Um, Welcome nope. to the podcast, gentlemen. I'm glad that you're listening. I hope that, that you're hearing something helpful I, I don't from think, another perspective. I don't think any of them are at as militant as we were then. Yeah. Because like we were like gung ho. But now you've had like some life experience yeah, and yeah, married and yeah. kids and, and things. And and I, <laughs> think, I think we've all softened in some aspects, yeah. but, but they're still more complimentary than mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so are they, are they all married? Yep. I think maybe being married and, and knowing a woman and being in a relationship with a woman has probably really changed a, a lot of those easy comments to make, like, oh, no, she'll be in the kitchen all the time. It's like, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, my wife, um, actually. All their wives stay home. <laughs> Do they really? Yep. Yeah. I was just I was checking it off in my head. All their wives stay home. Wow. 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 So, hey, let's, let's do this real quick. Um, I, I have just... Because we keep saying complementarian, egalitarian, blah, 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 blah. I wanted to offer... We've kind of touched on them, but to be a little more clear... What are the beliefs? Um, basic here, um, though not all who call, like I just said, though, though not all who call themselves complementarian will adhere to the same views. Complementarianism is usually characterized by belief that only men should hold church leadership positions over other men, um, and usually women may hold positions that do not place them in authority over men. Um, there is a patriarchal view of the family right, which you talked yeah. about with the father as the head, which you brings you into that, that view that a man should love his wife as Christ loves the church, and a woman should submit to her husband as a church submits to Christ, okay? Yep. And so you see that little bit of a difference there. Mm-hmm. 
And with egalitarians, uh, like complementarians, not all egalitarians are on, on the same page, right? But most would agree that, that men and women can hold church can hold church leadership positions of any sort, um, that spouses are equally responsible for the family instead of the patriarchal view, um, that marriage is a partnership of two equals submitting to one another, um, and that the roles uh, are really kind of more ability-based and, and not gender-based. Mm-hmm. So you would kind of see that different. Um, you know, with complementarianism, they definitely would go back to the garden, um, you know, and say we're you know in Genesis two eighteen where it's, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a, a, a helper suitable for him, which there's been a lot of you know you'll you can find a lot of readings on Genesis two eighteen on that word helper and what yeah. it means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does it mean partner um, or does it mean like? assistant or, you know, like underling, you know, kind right. of a thing. And so there's a, there's some different viewpoints on that. And depending on what translation you read, it's sometimes yes. a different word. I think yes. we're going to talk about that. We will week. talk about, I don't even know if we'll get to that next week. Okay. But yeah, there is, it is a, the, the, the council of, of biblical manhood and womanhood and, and the persons that put that together and the influence that they have. And and I'm talking like in publishing and in seminaries and all these things. Yeah, it's amazing down to the fact that it ends up like there ends up being a a new translation of a Bible that was all done. But uh, yeah. which is my favorite translation? <laughs> is it really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm not like totally against it, but I'm not going to use it anymore. Um, so. <laughs> After all this, after all this study, I'm not going to use it anymore. Um, in matters relating to to marriage, uh, Ephesians five twenty two twenty five would def, a complementary would say, "Hey, this is a key passage. Uh, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. We already said this as Christ is the head of the church, um, and as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything." Um, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, which really, I mean, scripturally, I can see where you, you talk about that feeling of, mm-hmm. I feel this responsibility, yep. uh, biblical support for egalitarianism would say, you know, the most important verse to an egalitarian, interestingly, is from Paul, his proclamation in Galatians three twenty eight which states there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ. I will again refer you back to episode 30. Yeah, we did. Women in leadership. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, egalitarians would also point to the frequency with which God in, in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New um, used women considered uh, you know who were considered secondary citizens at the time, but used them as part of the redemption plan. They play key roles all the time. Um, notably, the first person to witness the resurrected Christ uh, was a woman. Uh, New Testament also holds you know references to women in positions of leadership, and they are referred to as prophets and apostles and deacons and house church leaders. Um, you can find that in Romans sixteen, Colossians four. Second John 1, Acts 16. So again, go back to episode 30. You'll yep. really, really hear uh, these again. Uh, 
we've talked about denominations. I think it might be interesting to tell you which churches support which view, mostly. I bet you some people can guess which ones fit where. <laughs> In general, denominations that tend to lean more complementarian include, wait for it, Southern Baptist. Shocker. <laughs> Roman Catholic, as yes. I grew up as. Uh, some Lutheran churches, some Mennonite, uh, Presbyterian, and, of course, Reformed. I'm surprised any Lutheran would not be complimentary. Right, yeah. I, well, I think there is, um, I think just in re- in recent, like the last decade or so, okay. you might see some that are kind of, you know, okay. less, yeah. I don't know. Um, denominations that tend to lean egalitarian include the Assemblies of God, uh, the Nazarene, Episcopalian, Evangelical Lutheran. See, that's where you go. Yeah. Uh, Free Methodist, um, the Friends Movement. I don't know. Is that the show? I've never heard of this denomination. Yes, Phoebe. I mean, come on. She's in the Bible. Like the hymnal, uh, (laughs) the first thing in the hymnal, smelly cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some Mennonites, uh, some Presbyterians, and United Methodist and Wesleyan would say they are more egalitarian. So I don't know what we talked about today. Um, I have to go back and listen to it. Gender roles is what I'm thinking of calling this one. Kind of, yeah. Gender roles is probably good. Um, We're we're putting our toe in the water of egalitarianism and complementarianism. Kind of understanding like why it is we might lean one way or the other, what has been shown to us, modeled to us, and then starting to look at how does that affect the church. Yeah, and then and that's where we're going to go uh, next week and see how has the influence, um, you know, started to affect the church and and all those things. So we'll we'll get into that next week. Yep. So yeah, um, anything we need to mention real quick? Let's. Uh... Let's talk about this past Sunday real quick on the Eight Trait Series. Uh-huh. Uh, disciple gives generously. Yeah, disciple is generous. So, yeah, you still have a couple of days. Um, if one you're of the listening things, this week. Yes, so if you're listening the week of August 20, uh, 20 yeah. So September Through September 4th. 4th. Yeah. Um, yeah, good point. <laughs> I just, um, you never know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're listening during that time frame... Um, we said, hey, we want to be generous with our lives, and we want to help others. And so with all that's going on uh, in Afghanistan and the and United States, you know, getting out of there, um, there are a lot of people that have, have, have already been brought out, uh, Christians, Afghanistan Christians, um, those who assisted the military while we were there, people yeah. who were going to be in... Yeah, it, it was not going to be good. And so we have <laughs> sound effects. Um, so they have been brought out, and there's an organization called uh, Church World Service, and, and they're actually very closely connected with uh, United Methodist yeah, uh, yeah. Committee on Relief mm-hmm. that we do, uh, that we have. And so they have been working with uh, the people of Afghanistan for like 20 years and help with relocation, clothing, food, medicine, all that stuff. A lot of those people came, they got on a, on a giant cargo plane and they came with the clothes on their back and, and, and here they are. Mm-hmm. And so we said, Hey, we're going to take 25% of our offering this week. Cause we also talked about how we want to give over and above. We don't want right. to be minimalists. Right. Um, and so we want to be generous. So we're going to take 25% of our, of the offering, which is, you know, it goes right back into our day-to-day, you know, operations of the church, you know. So, but we said, let's let's set aside 25% and give that to Church World Service so that they can make a difference. So, um, you can give online. Yep, theportcc.com, uh, click on the giving tab. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can 
you can send in a check if you want to. The address is I can never 4381 North Forest Street Extension. Extension. Yep. And um, you can mail that in as well. Or you can, um, yeah, that's what you can do. Yeah. Those are the things you can do. Yep. Yep. So we would we would love that if you if you could give whatever amount you give we're gonna we're gonna take twenty five percent of what comes in and, and use that so. because whatever news outlet you see what we're trying to do is not political we're trying to help people not one iota I mean these people need help they're mm-hmm. like this is this is not whether we support pulling out of Afghanistan or not it's the fact that these people needed to get out because of a totalitarian. Mm-hmm. regime that was going to take over the country that they mm-hmm. had been fighting for 20s no longer than that yeah yeah since uh the Bo- daddy bush yeah um they've been fighting this one group and they've resumed power and these people were able to get out and now they they need our help yeah this yeah they a- helped us while we were there so yeah. we want to want to help um them so for sure. So yeah, we would love for you to be part of that and, and be generous in that way. So And then next week on Eight Traits, where are we going Sunday? Oh uh for this coming Sunday, uh we're gonna be talking about um the trait of a disciple is that they are prepared to share their story. Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. And, and of course, it'll go back. It, it, um, Justin's going to be sharing it with us, and it's going to kind of touch back into how a disciple is biblical because mm-hmm. our story is not just our story, but it's 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 Jesus's story, and yep. so we look at scripture in that. So that's going to be really good. So I look forward to that. So, well, hey, thanks for hanging with us. I hope uh, we didn't confuse you too much or bore you too much. And um, yeah. Again, my Venmo is Shannon. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Happy birthday, Shannon. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.